Wonderful. Are you ready for the word of God? Well, it's my joy to invite Pastor Ian Williams to come and open the word this morning. Good morning. That was just to test the guys on sound to make sure that they were still awake. I, I need to admit this morning that we've had some phenomenal drumming. When I was uh, here just a, a few months ago, I, I think I, I, I complimented our, our drummer then, and uh, then I was told that Jim was away. And the very first thing that Jim said to me this morning was, you complimented the drummer last time. <laughs> and, uh, and I said to, to Jim, I, I said, Jim, it's lovely to see you as well. And I said to Jim, Jim, this morning, I don't just want to hear the drumming, I want to feel it. And this morning, I felt the drumming. In, in fact, my heart is still pounding. Thank you, Jim, for just keeping me in, in check this morning. It's uh, great to be here. It's um, always a privilege to to come home and uh, to be part of what God is doing in this wonderful ocean city of, of Plymouth. And it does, it does feel like home. As many of you know, Jackie and I were, were based here for just shy of 12 months uh, last, last year, just helping and uh, working things through uh, as a, a local church. So it's wonderful to, to be here. And uh, what really excited me was just listening to what Steve was saying about what's happening over the, the Christmas period. And what really blessed me, Steve, was you, you talked about the carol service at Lee Mill. Yeah. And that's going to be a great event. I think you did it last year as, as well. And it's a great opportunity to branch out into another community to support that community. But in a few weeks' time, the, the local church that Jackie and I... Isn't it wonderful to have Jackie here this morning with you as well? Uh, the church that Jackie and I are, are part of, we're planted into, we're doing a carol service in Ivy Bridge. And uh, we've got the, the watermark uh, center all, all booked out, and the church is doing that. And we've got about 75 local residents from Ivy Bridge already booked into that carol service, anticipating praying for 150 uh, folk to, to be there. And I just thought about the, the, the synergy of what we're, we're doing, the, the two churches, you know, Restore Church here in Plymouth and Riviera Life Church there in, in Torquay, in Torbay, and how we're beginning to join the dots up uh, along the dual carriageway from, you know, up north, Torbay, <laughs> to, to down south here in, in Plymouth. And it's really exciting just to sense what God is going to be doing across the course of, of time. It was a few years ago when I was just a, a little lad. I was about so high. And don't you dare say, Andy, you're not much taller. <laughs> but I, I, I was so high, I, I remember just hearing this prophetic word spoken over the southwest, the southwest of England. And it was simply this, that revival would come from the southwest. And revival would come from the southwest and that, that revival would not just impact the southwest, but that revival would impact the whole of the United Kingdom. And that some would say, hey, can any good come out of the Southwest? 
Can any good come out of the Southwest? Well, you need to hear this. Those same words were spoken over a town called Bethlehem. Can any good come out of Bethlehem? And it was prophesied, can any good? And out of that small, insignificant place came the Savior of the world. And this morning, I'm really believing, just holding on to that, that truth of that, that prophetic word spoken all those years ago, that revival will come and impact our nation from the Southwest. Yeah? Who can believe that with me? Right, wives, if you are sat next to your, your husband this morning, I want you to turn to your husband, look at him in the eye, or the eyes, I should say, look him in the eyes, and tell him what you want for Christmas. Come on, come and do it. Now, now you, you need to know, gentlemen in the house, I've just made your Christmas. Because if you're like me, you don't read the signs. And if you're like me, Becky, you need to tell Steve what you want for Christmas, because you've only just come through the door. Tell him. If you're like me, you, you misread the signs, and you think you know what your loved one wants. And when she looks across the room to you and she says this, I don't want anything this Christmas. I take that as a literal comment. <laughs> but I've come to understand this, that when Jackie looks across the room to me and says, don't worry about Christmas this year. We're not going to do Christmas. We've had a great year. I, I don't need anything. I've come to understand this, that through the Holy Spirit, the interpretation comes, <laughs> that don't you dare forget <laughs> me at Christmas. So, so, guys, I've saved your bacon. And I've, I've given you an opportunity now to, over the course of the next few weeks, to go and purchase what you've just been told. Uh, okay, and ladies, tell us as it is. Don't talk in riddles. Don't, don't talk in disguise. Don't, don't use foreign language. Just say, I would love you to get me this. Is that okay? Well, I've not made any friends in that comment this morning. We're going to, to look at a subject this morning because this morning is the, the first Sunday of Advent. And uh, in many churches across our nation, they will be lighting candles. In many uh, churches across our nation, they'll be talking around the whole subject of the Christmas theme. And I, I want to keep in keeping with what is being spoken across our nation. And I, I want to share, this is my subject this morning, belonging to the house. Belonging to the house. If you've brought your Bibles with you, you can turn to Luke chapter 2. We're going to read from verse 1 to 19. If you've got your mobile phone or if you've got your tablet, just quickly tie in those, those uh, verses and it will come up. But I believe it's coming up onto the screen in a few moments anyhow. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that the census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up to the town of Nazareth in Galilee in Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and to the line 
of David. I, I just want to re-emphasize this this morning. I'm reading from the, the New International Version. He belonged to the house. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she, she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths or clothes, placed him in the manger, and uh, because there was no guest room available for him. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, I bring you good news of great joy to all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger. Suddenly, the great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angels, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, in the highest heaven, and on, the, and on earth may there be peace. When the angel had left and gone back into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what they had been told about this child. And all that heard were amazed what the shepherds had said to them. And Mary treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. So I want to spend a few moments simply focusing in on that subject matter. He belonged to the house. Before we can kind of dive and delve into this subject this morning, we need to maybe just begin to look at what I've called the first nativity scene. Jesus was born into a world that was wrecked by war, filled with destruction, brutality, and immorality. And the relationship between the Jews and the Romans was one of what they call subjection or subjugation. It simply refers to a group of people that were enforcing their belief, their stance upon other people. And what we recognize in the time of the Roman days that their empire was a dominant force and very powerful in civilization and influenced the social arena influenced the political setting and also had an impact on what we call the religious landscape. That the Romans ruled by might and power. They ruled by political influence, which was contrary to this new message that had been born into a stable because it wasn't a message about the Roman Empire of power and authority, but it was all about the kingdom way and that the Savior had been born, and the kingdom was going to be a kingdom of love, peace, justice, mercy, and truth. And really began to outwork the, that prophetic word that was spoken in the book of Zechariah, where it says, not by might, nor by power, but by my Holy Spirit, says the Lord. But what we see is the Romans were persecuting the, the Jews. They had placed them under their domain or dominion, and were forcing their authority upon them. And what we see, that the Jewish nation were in oppression, and they were living in, under what I call imposed control. And this is very different to the nativity that we begin to think about even today, when we begin to look at that saviour, 
wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And when mum and dad looked into the manger, when the shepherds came and looked into the manger, when the animals would have looked into the manger, what we, what we see is this. We see the incarnation of hope. Maybe this morning, the good news that you need to hear this morning is that we are entering into the season of good news and of great joy, where time has been filled with bad news, and dare I even say, time has been filled with fake news also, but we are entering into the season of, of good news, the incarnation of, of hope. Where the message puts it wonderfully of John chapter 1 verse 4, it says, The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. I'm grateful this morning that we have a Savior that has moved into our neighborhood and has taken up residency there. But you see, Jesus was not just the promise of a Savior for Israel, but he was the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. 700 years before the birth of Jesus, the prophet Isaiah prophesied concerning the Savior of the world coming into the world, and that Savior would save the, the Jewish nation from their persecution and their oppression, would bring salvation and redemption, and would also bring reconciliation. And the reconciliation was between God and his people Reconciliation of creation back to the creator. And what we see in this story that I read out this morning, we see Joseph and Mary making a journey back to Bethlehem. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up to the town of Nazareth in Galilee, to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and to the line of David. There's something wonderful about belonging. Belonging. That, that sense or the word belonging begins to encompass a sense of being connected and being accepted. Being included into a particular group, a community or a place. Dare I even say this morning that there's a sense of belonging in this house that turns this house from being a house into being a home. There's a sense of belonging in this place this morning that takes the stranger and makes them a family member. But belonging involves the feeling of being part of something. It creates a sense of identity and attachment. And they tell me this, that belonging can help your well-being and can help your mental state as well. I love belonging to my family. I love belonging to my church family. I, I love belonging to some of the social circles that I mix in. I, I love the, the faith groups that I'm connected to. I, I love the larger community that God has placed me in. You, you see why? Because I belong. There's a connection there. Daisy Walsh was a little Cornish lady that stood about five foot, not even five foot, only five foot if she had some form of heels at home. And she lived in a little uh, council house on Tresillian Avenue or 25 Tresillian Road. And uh, Diane would know that, that area really well because she was brought up just at the top of the hill, whereas my nan lived at the bottom of the hill. You see, she was posh, my nan wasn't so posh. 
But my, my, my nan would often say, she, she would say this, she, she, she would do something. And then because I was curious, because I was nosy, because I wanted to know, I wanted to, to glean something from this little lady, I, I would say to her, Nan, why are you doing that? And in this Cornish accent, she'd look back and she'd say, because we belong to do that. And then I would ask her something else a little bit later on. Why, why Nana, are you, you doing that? And her, her answer, and she thought this answer justified my question and would keep me happy. Nan, why do you do that? And she said, because we belong to do that. This morning, we're here because we belong to do this. We, we, we do this because we belong not just to the fabric of the building, but we belong to one another. And this morning, I'd like to give you 64 lessons on what it means to belong, if that's permissible this morning. How, how can we build a significant local church here in the ocean city of Plymouth that's not just going to impact the surrounding area, but it's going to impact beyond that? The first lesson is simply this. You can only build with people who belong to the house. Jackie and I have led church for 27 years. We've been in involved in different settings, locally, regionally, nationally, and also internationally. And I've discovered this, that you can only build with people who belong to the house. We've discovered this, that over the course of those years of leading local church, people come and people go. You identify those that belong, and you identify those that don't belong. There are those who attend church almost with the mindset of being contracted to, but you also have those who attend church not because they're contracted to, but there's a sense of covenant with. This morning in this house, do you belong to the house? Are you in a sense, contracted to restore church, St. Levin Road, Mile House, Plymouth, PL2, 3BC, or, or, or are you covenanted to the house? Because what I've noticed is this, there's a distinct difference between those who are contracted and those that are covenanted to. That those that are covenanted to, that they roll their sleeves up and they get involved in the building. That they roll their sleeves up and they put their hands in their pockets and they give of their tithe, they give of their time, and they give of their talent. This morning, as we recognize that we belong to the house, it's a wonderful privilege to belong to the house. But I've discovered this, that as much as it is a privilege, it also brings responsibility. Privilege and responsibility. You see, those that are contracted to the house, they treat the house like a hotel. They come and they sit and they expect to be waited upon. They, they expect that all of their, their, their whims will be met. But, but those who are covenanted to the house, those who really belong, don't just come and take, but they come and give. They come and they participate. They come and they contribute. 
When I was working for Assembly of God and, and traveling part of the, the, the country, I would often spend times away from home and I would have to, to go and maybe stay in a travel lodge or a hotel or some other accommodation. And what, I, what I've discovered, Steve, is this, that when I was on the road in a hotel, having no responsibility to that hotel, I didn't have to tidy up after me. I'm not looking at my wife right now. But I could leave the towel on the floor. I, I, I could leave the bed unmade because I was contracted to the hotel. I had paid my money. And because I paid my money, I expected the service. But you see, when you're covenanted to a house, you don't leave the towel on the floor. <laughs> you, 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 you don't leave the bed unmade. Or, or the dishes in the sink. I just hear the words now, practice what you preach, Ian. Practice what you preach, Ian. Practice what you preach. And when we're contracted to a house, we get away with doing very little. Because I don't need to do it. But when we belong to the house and we're covenanted to it, we see the piece of paper on the floor. And we pick up the litter before we get fined, Graham. And we make sure the chairs are straight. It's all about belonging to the house. You see, contracts have terms and conditions and opt-out clauses. Covenants have a perpetual promise and pledges. And not opt-out clauses, but opt-in clauses. Co contracts are legal agreements, but covenants are spiritual agreements. Contracts are signed, covenants are sealed. Contracts are of mutual benefit, but a covenant is something I choose to fulfill. Contracts exchange one good for another, but a covenant is giving of oneself to everybody else. People who belong to the house can't go. I, I've led local church for long enough knowing that on some Monday mornings I wanted to go. When the trouble came, when the winds and the storms came, everything inside of me says, come on, there has to be a better opportunity than this. There has to be a different way that you can go. But you see, because I was covenanted to the house, because I belonged to the house, I couldn't go. And I've also realized this. When people don't belong, they can't stay. Because if they don't belong here, they belong somewhere else. People belong to the house for reasons, seasons, and lifetimes. And the Bible's filled with illustration and example of those that belonged and those that didn't belong. I think of the story of Ruth, one of, our, my, one of my favorite stories. And what you have is you, you have Naomi. And Naomi, she has sons and husband, and her husband dies and her sons die. And then we have the two daughter-in-laws. One daughter, Orpah. She didn't belong, so she left. But Ruth belonged, and because she belonged, she, she used words such as this, wherever you go, Naomi, I'll go. Where, wherever you stay, I'll stay. Your, your God will be my God. Your people will be my people. You see, one belonged and one didn't belong. I think of the, the, the prodigal son. When he went to his father and asked for his 
portion of inheritance. He left because he didn't think he belonged. But a bit of time down the road, he realized he belonged. And because he belonged, there was only one place he could go, and that was home. Because he belonged to the house, he went home to see dad. And dad reinstated him into that position and gave him his rightful place. But you see, you can be in the house and not belong. Because the older brother was still in the house. And because he was in the house, he thought he had rights. He thought he had privileges and he thought that it wasn't fair that his younger brother had now returned and he criticized his father's decision. He, he said, what about me? You see, you can be in the house and not belong. And your attitude, your conduct, your conversation can be critical. It can be detrimental to what is happening. It can be destructive. It can be destroying. Joseph belonged to the house. He belonged to the house. The second point is simply this. Did that first point make any sense? The second point is simply this. People who belong to the house can be counted on. So, so Mary and Joseph are, in a sense, they're called to go back to their hometown, to the house they belonged. And because they, there was a census, a census is simply a count. It's counting the population. It's counting the ages. It's uh, we, we still do censuses today, and we still get stats and, uh, and information from, from them. There was a rallying call. And because Joseph belonged to the house, he responded to the rally call. Can I ask the question this morning? When this house sends out a rallying call, can you be counted on? When there's a rallying call for the house to pray, do we pray? When there's a rallying call for the house to give, do we give? When there's a rallying call for the house to work, do we work? When there's a rallying call for simple support, do we, do we support? What I love about those who belong to the house, they just turn up. You don't have to entice them with a position or a title. You don't have to twist their arms. You, you simply open the doors and those who belong to the house, they just turn up. Because those who belong to the house are more concerned about fulfilling the cause of the house than their own personal comfort. They're more interested in the convenient. They're more, they're not afraid to embrace the inconvenience over convenience. And when you belong to the house, you put the cause before your comfort and you put your cause before the convenience. Mary and Joseph could be counted upon because they belonged to the house. Since, we, well, since I was last here, we have had two more granddaughters, haven't we? Two granddaughters born in the space of three weeks. Five granddaughters, one grandson. Little grandson came and sat with me just the other day and 
you could sense his little bit of disappointment that there were no cousins and there wasn't a brother for him. And I just looked across the room to him and said, Boaz, you're in a very privileged position. Because in 16 year time, you're going to have five girl groups that you can choose from. <laughs> five. He looked at me and just shrugged his shoulders. But what I've discovered is this, that in the final stages of our daughters giving birth to our two wonderful, beautiful baby granddaughters, they didn't want to travel very far. It was very uncomfortable for them to make the, the journey from one place to another. Yet, yet, Mary and Joseph didn't allow that to stop them. The inconvenience of a pregnant woman riding on a donkey, and ladies, you know what that's like, or what it could be like, I should say. I just imagine some of you walking down, going down Union Street on a donkey. <laughs> no luxury mattress with memory foam. No gas and air. No epidurals. Just inconvenience and discomfort. But because they belong to the house, they responded to the rally call. I, I just want to begin to imagine a church that responds to the rallying call. Because they belong to the house. It changes the, the language from I can't and I won't to I can and I will. Can you be counted on? D don't come and say you can count on me, but there are strings attached. I, I want this exposure and I want this position. Don't, don't come and say you can be count on, on us, but, but, I, but I, I want this and I want that. A.D. Posse said this, you can count on me because I can count on you. He then goes on to say, count on me because I will always be by your side through thick and thin. When times are tough, count on me, I'll stand with you. You can count on me not just by what I say, but what I do. In this journey called life, count on me to walk alongside you every step of the way. Those who belong to the house help build the house. There's reliability, there's dependability, there's faithfulness, there's commitment, there's consistency, there's trustworthiness, there's loyalty. Wow. And there's devotion. Yet throughout scripture, there are illustrations and examples of, of men and women, boys and girls, who had to face the inconvenience and the immense discomfort as they followed God's directives and stepped out in faith and obedience. Noah knew what it was to be inconvenienced and discomfort when he responded to the opportunity to build the ark and to save his family and to save some animals from the catastrophic flood. He faced ridicule, disbelief from others, while he diligently, diligently followed God's directives. Joseph enjoy, endured the betrayal of his brothers, went into slavery, was imprisoned, and before rising to a position of power, he was overlooked and he was forgotten. But because he belonged, he worked through it. Abraham was asked to leave his homeland and journey to an unknown place, facing the uncertainties and the challenges along the way. 
Esther risked her life by approaching the king without being summoned to the king to save her people, the Jewish nation, from extermination. Paul endured persecution, hardship, imprisonment while spreading the gospel. I, I may burst some bubbles here. If I do, blame Steve. <laughs> but following Jesus isn't always the easiest thing to do. But following Jesus isn't always the comfortable thing to do. It can often be uncomfortable and it can often be inconvenient. There's a book written by a guy that I can't remember his name, but it's called The Barbarian Way. Irma McManus, thank you, Andy. I knew you were here for a reason. And he writes this. God's will is less about our comfort and more about our contribution. God is more concerned about our significance than our safety. Comfort is the time when the eagle wants to stay in the nest because he's enjoying the comfort of the, the plush memory foam moss and the feathers, and the wonderful comfort that that nest has. But, but the mother recognizes this, that the eaglet, if that's such a word, was not designed for the comfort, but was designed to fly for a cause. Maybe some of the inconvenience that we face over the course of the next period of time is God stirring our nest because it's our time to fly. The disciples were in the boat in relatively comfort. Even though they were in a storm, they were in comfort and safety and security. But one person recognized that he, there was more about this comfort and this security that there was life outside of the boat and responded to the call to come and walk on the water. His name was Peter. Restore church. It's time to move from comfort to cause. As we enter into a season of stretching and growing. We love to be pregnant. We love the conception of pregnant. And we watch the gestation of pregnancy. But not many women that I know enjoy the pain of giving birth. Oh, it's something we have to go through. The discomfort, the inconvenience of this. But I want you to understand this. That your discomfort and your pain is a, prophetic, a prophetical sign of a pending arrival. God is doing something good and something great. My, my third and my final point as I land this, this little preach this morning. Those who belong to the house have distinguishing qualities, traits, and inherent attributes. Those who belong to the house take the greatest commandment as their mandate. They love the Lord their God with all of their heart and with all of their soul and with all of their minds. And they also love their neighbor as themselves. Can I... 
encourage you, those who belong to the house have a passion for God, but also have a passion for the city. Love this city. Love the people of this, this city and see what God can, can do. That those who belong to the, to the house, they, they, they love God because they are intentional when it comes to developing intimacy with him. They, they read his word and they allow his word to read them. Intimacy can be broken up into a little kind of way of understanding it a little bit this morning. God, into me, see. And as we allow God to look into us and to delve into the darkness of some of the recesses of our heart and our being, allow God to shed his light. God wants intimacy with us this morning. Those who belong to the house, they don't just love God, but they love the people. They are intentional when it comes to developing relationship. And the reach of this house has to extend and to expand outside of the framework of these four walls and has to begin to touch and connect with those that are in our city. Can I encourage you to develop relationship? Belong to the house, belong to the city, and belong to other people as you begin to make a, a difference. I'm going to skip those next few points and come to my final one this morning. Belong to the house. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13, is one of my, my favorite verses in the whole of the Bible. I, I love the, what they call, the, it's called the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13. But I, I love it as we begun, come to the tail end of that chapter and it begins to talk about, and these three things remain. Other, other things are transient, other things come and other things go, but there are certain things that, that remain. And, and what the writer, he says, these, these, these three things remain, it's faith, it's hope, and it's love. The Amplified Version puts it like this. To the fellowship, I'm reading the wrong one. And these three things remain, faith, abiding trust in God and his promises, hope, confident expectation of eternal salvation, love, unselfish love for others growing out of God's love for me. These three, the choicest graces, but the greatest is, is love. When you belong to the house, you are people of faith. Faith is having a conviction. Faith is applying one's trust on God. Faith is exhibited in resilience. Faith is action and practice. And we have to have faith because it says this, without faith it's impossible to please God. And this morning I want to be part of a house I want to belong to a house that has faith. We are people of faith. Anything can happen in this city when men and women, boys and girls of faith, really have faith. But we're also bringers of hope. Bringers of hope brings inspiration into uninspiring settings. Bringers of hope lift up and spur on 
bringers of hope, are beacons of light that shine in the darkness. Jackie champions our, our mission activity in our church and the, the reputation that, that our church has gathered and gleaned over the course of the last three years has been phenomenal. And I recall being in a setting, in a meeting, where the meeting had counselors and had uh, officials and had different agencies all, all there. And, uh, and sometimes you, you sit in a meeting, don't you, Steve, and you think, why on earth am I here? What am I, what am I contributing to this setting? Or what are we contributing? And the, the, the member of the council looked across and said, some of you may be wondering why the Reverend Ian Williams is in the room. And, and I thought, there are those questioning why I'm in the room but there's somebody else who's questioning as well. I'm asking myself that question. And, and he looked across and he says, Ian represents the local church, an organization that is impacting community. Ian rep represents some of the other churches in the Bay. And Ian brings hope into this room. Wow. When we belong to the house, we're men and women of faith. When we're when we belong to the house, we are bringers of hope into hopeless situations. And finally, when we belong to the house, we are carriers of love. Everything we do and say is embodied and spread because of love. Everything we endeavor to do and to touch is driven by compassion. Everything we, we do is, is driven by kindness and, and empathy. Can I, can I challenge the, the, the local church, the family? This morning, be caregivers. Be caregivers to a broken world. Be caregivers to broken, distraught individuals who don't know which way to turn. And they're wanting to belong. I sit with many individuals during the course of my, my employment with the National House and I, I sit opposite them in their homes. I, I sit opposite in a coffee shop or we go for a walk or we're, we're in a chapel somewhere and we're just talking. And, and the whole conversation generates around this. I just don't feel like I belong. And because I don't feel like I belong, I'm going to take my life. Because I don't feel like I belong, I don't know which way to turn. Our society, our community is looking for men, women, boys and girls who belong to a house. And because they belong to the house, they help others belong as well. Let's bow our heads for a few moments if we can. I, I, I've talked, I trust I've made sense this morning, but I, I've talked this morning about belonging to the house and what that looks like, but there, there is another belonging that is more important than all of that. And it's belonging to Jesus. Where we recognize the day and the time when we gave our lives to him and we, we, we call it being born again. You may have heard the terminology about being saved or getting saved. Jesus died on the cross for every one of us in this room. Jesus died on the cross for everyone on planet earth that they could belong to a family and belong to a heavenly father. And this morning as we are praying, as we close our eyes, we're going to pray a simple little prayer. Then to give an opportunity this morning for responses across this congregation. If you'd like to belong, 
to a heavenly father, I want you to pray this prayer with me. You can pray it in the quietness of your own heart. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for giving your life for me on a cross. And today I ask for forgiveness. Today I ask you to step into my world and remove all of the wrong and the sin in my life. And today I give my life to you. Because today I want to belong to you. Amen. Every head still bowed and every eye still closed. If you prayed that prayer for the first time or maybe a prayer of recommitment this morning, I'm going to ask you to do something very, very brave. I'm simply going to ask you to stand to your feet. Nobody is looking. Thank you. Others in this room this morning, as you respond to, to the, the call and to the love of, of God, is there anybody else in this room this morning? I'm not going to prolong this. I'm going to give 30 seconds for others to respond. Thank you. Whether it's the first time or a prayer of commitment, thank you. Three lovely individuals this morning responding, wanting to belong. Thank you. Another two standing this morning. Five decisions for Christ in this house this morning. The whole of heaven is celebrating right now. Heavenly Father, I pray, another one standing. Heavenly Father, I pray for those standing in this room this morning. I pray that you would draw very close to them right now. I thank you that you've drawn them into a relationship with you. I thank you, Heavenly Father, that this morning they've given their lives to you. And Father, we speak over their lives today that from this moment in time, they will feel that they belong. That they belong to you but they also belong to your church. Father, we pray blessing over everyone standing. Meet them at their point of need in this place today. And all of God's people said, Amen. Come on, let's all stand to our feet, shall we, this morning. Let's just applaud heaven for what he's doing in this house. We thank him for his goodness. We thank you for his provision. We thank him because he's so wonderfully good to us. Amen. What a word. Come on. Let's honor the man. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for what you placed on Ian's heart. And we thank you, Lord God, that he brought it to us this morning. Church, this morning you belong. This is a place you can call home. And I truly, mine and Becky's prayer is that you call this place home. Because I want you to know, in 2024, there's going to be a call. Because something's stirring up in this city. And uh, we really sense God is going to take us to a whole nother level in Him. And we're going to see salvations. We're going to see lives changed, lives restored, lives rebuilt, lives renewed for the kingdom of God. And we want you to be a part of that. And God's calling you to be a part of that this morning. And that, that's what this message is about. You're here to be a part of it. You're here to say yes. Our yes is the most powerful thing. My friend, 
came up to me a few days ago and told me his belt had broken and uh, he needed a new belt. Well, there's a reason why a belt breaks because we have to expand. Yeah? Okay? I need you to know that actually God is expanding us spiritually. Your belts are about to break. Yes? Get ready for your belts to break. You can't contain what God has in store for your life. Because when God's there, it has to overflow. Amen? I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you as you go out of this place. And that his face will shine upon you. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Please stay for a coffee. And uh, get to know us a little bit more if it's your first time in church. And uh, thank you for being here today. God bless you.